Sincerely, I did come today under the leading of the Holy Spirit. It is my pleasure to be here with you today. Let us open with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for giving me these words to say. I pray that today your spirit will fill all that are listening. In your most precious name, Lord, amen. This morning, I would like to introduce you to communion. You say, to communion? We've been taking it for years, right? Well, I know that. I just want to stimulate your thinking a little. This is Feast Sunday. Why do we call it Feast Sunday? Are we here just for a meal, or are we here for something else? When was the last... When was the last time you had a meal together with family or friends, or both together? Was it a time of celebration, or just a time to gather for the sake of having a meal? I can remember in my youth, gathering at the lunch table or the supper table, it was something we did every day, of course. It was part of our routine. So it seemed very normal. Not all meals were celebrations, but they were necessary for the nourishment of the body. But there were times of celebration. I can remember birthdays and holidays like Christmas when the mood was fairly joyful and full of anticipation. But not all meals were pleasant either, especially when arguments ensued. But for the most part, at mealtime with someone else, it was fairly rewarding. It is usually about fellowship, where family and friends can openly discuss things and find out how your day was going. It was also <laughs> it was about sharing like, things like dreams and new plans for the future or projects that you had undertaken, or at times sharing the sorrow or sadness that someone else was having close to you. Meals can be very important times for sharing. Okay, now picture yourself <coughs> with Jesus and the, and the disciples up in the upper room. Just before this gathering had got together, they had witnessed Lazarus raising from the dead. And then there was the triumphant entry into Jerusalem as uh, the people shouted with glee and honored uh, Jesus as he came in. The Passover celebrations were probably the most honored holiday and the mood must have been truly exciting. After all, a new king was coming into Jerusalem. Even though Jesus had warned his flock that he would be going to Jerusalem to die, they did not understand the mood must have been electric 
in the crowds and it had to have made the disciples forget about his warning. The Bible tells us a little of the mood in the room as they argued over who would be the greatest among them. And then there was that fine example of Jesus washing their feet. They must have been filled with wonderment and great fellowship. The gospel even talks about instructions that Jesus gave to them at that time. And then he reminds them once again about his impending death, telling them, one will betray me this night. And this must have brought about some fear and confusion. Who is it, Lord? Is it I? They asked. And then Jesus turns everyone's attention to a new commandment. He tells them he wants his closest friends and everyone to rem- that will follow to remember this day. And he will give them and us a tangible way to remember, to remember him. He took the bread and the cup and showed them a way to always remember what was to come, the cross. For without the cross, resurrection was not possible. And we, uh, as we look at this event, a number of questions can come to mind. <clears throat> Some questions like, what does this model say about God the Father? we would perhaps immediately think that this was so unfair of God to put Jesus through this anguish. But in truth, we see his great compassion for us. A holy father, one that seen that the only resolution to sin would have to be a sacrifice by himself. What does uh, communion say about Jesus? Could it be that he was willing to face all the abuse that this world can give, including death on a cross? That mankind was worth saving? What does it say about the relationship between God the Father and the Son? They were in complete agreement, as far as I'm concerned, that mankind, God's creation, was worth saving. This agreement had to exist well before Jesus' birth on earth. After all, Jesus was with the Father before the world began. What does it mean for us spiritually? It means a renewal that takes place inside of us as we obey the commandment. It reminds us of what God has done for us by going to the cross and the new life we have with him coming off the cross and raising from the dead. There are other questions, of course, that will come to mind, I'm sure. But I'm finding now, no matter how wise or learned we get, there are going to be some questions that we cannot answer. How can we possibly understand the Father fully when we only get small glimpses of him through Jesus. And yet God allowed his only one and only son to be crucified on a cross. Our life is so short that it is hard to, for us to see the pain 
that mankind has given God over the passing millennials. Our sin from Adam on has continually separated us from him. And yet, there had to be a way to reconcile us to himself. God showed us the way through Moses and the Passover lamb's blood. He foretold mankind of what was to come, what was coming at Calvary. Jesus' death was going to be the only way, excuse me, there would be ultimate and lasting forgiveness. Okay, so why all the turmoil around surrounding his death? Why couldn't he have just come into the town and took over? He had the power. The answer should be obvious to us all. Where could the love be seen than if he used his might. Mankind needs to be free to choose God. Free will was granted mankind, and out of our free will we choose him, and we do it out of our love for God, and we'll follow him anywhere. Communion started off being sacred to me. I can remember my early days in the church and seeing everyone else around me taking this ritual as serious as possible. I held it up as a great honor to practice this ritual. It was very special. Each time we come to this table, it has to remain special. We cannot take it for granted. We cannot just go through the motions. As I was preparing for this morning, my daily devotional time at the time I began to write these words took me to the Gospel of John. I found myself asking God to show me what I should say today on March the 4th. As he always does, he most graciously took me to John 6 and settled me on verses 48 to 58. How appropriate it was when Jesus spoke early in his ministry about us eating his flesh and drinking his blood, it was his way of introducing communion without actually getting into the specifics until later. Follow along with me as I read this chapter, or this set of verses. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Without eating my flesh, where am I? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, 
So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. When, uh, when you read this passage, say without the benefit of knowing what takes place at the Lord's Supper, it sounds a little bizarre with somebody focusing on eating your flesh. But because we have the benefit of knowing what came next, we can see it all reflects towards Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. We need to keep remembering that point in history. We need to remember our connection with this cross. How our sins were placed there and crucified with him, taken away forever. We need to remember that the fact that his death was not a pleasant one. There was beatings, floggings, and hanging on a cross until he was dead. But we all remember he did rise from the dead. So why do we take communion? Why is it a priority for us? We participate in communion to take time to remember all that the Lord did for us. It is a time to worship and to give thanks for the forgiveness of our sins and the new life and relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. The time of remembrance was initiated by Jesus just before his death because we tend to be forgetful people. In the Old Testament, believers were called to remember the faithfulness of God through various memorials. The New Testament, this is the way Jesus wanted us to remember his love and and forgiveness of our sins as he spoke those words we can find in Paul's writings, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26 when he spoke about the bread and the wine. But before we get to the Lord's Supper, I think we need to look at the verses that follow in that chapter. Recently, I was reminded by a person from our congregation about these words and the warning to us all. Verse 27-32 explains that communion is a time of personal examination. It is a time to examine our relationship with the Lord and others. Please follow along with me as I read these words. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood and body of the Lord. But let a man examine himself And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. I was finding myself questioning why this part was not remembered at significant parts each feast Sunday. I can remember this self-examination clause from my earlier times at church. Are we overlooking these words lately? 
when it comes to taking communion? Are we just taking this event for granted and going through the motions? We get so busy in our everyday life that we forget sometimes to focus on our Lord and our personal relationship with him. I walked away from the church just after my teenage years. There were many years walking in the desert without the nourishment of the Lord. And as a consequence, it took a long time before I was able to join this table again. Oh, I I finally did give my life to Christ after listening to a Billy Graham crusade, but I was destined to not partake of this table for another decade. Well, my wife went to the Catholic Church. But when we moved to Calgary, we both joined the First Alliance Church, and I was welcomed back to his table. We should come to this table with open hearts, with nothing standing in our way between us and the Lord. So while I'm preparing to preside over uh, supper, please take a moment now to pray and confess the areas in your life that are holding you apart from the Lord. Examine yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to sift through you and show you where you are falling down and then bring them to the forefront with the Lord. This is a personal thing. It is between you and the Lord. You're not asked to do this publicly, but I do encourage you to settle the accounts before you participate. Normally, during our service, we have a time of corporate prayer, but today we would like to do something a bit different. A departure from the Lord's Prayer style and link ourselves directly with the Lord. Have you all heard of the term silent prayer? It is a quiet time of concentrated listening. We may have some music in the background to help you focus, but I think this can be a great time between us and the Lord. And as and we ask the question about what is hindering you and your relationship with him. We are doing this together, and just imagine how the Lord will bless us all. After a moment or two of prayer time, our worship team will begin to sing our next song. Feel free to join in, or just continue with your listening in prayer. When the song ends, we will participate in the communion. Let us enter a time of silent prayer. 